Last week, we began a new series entitled Sold Out, and I think I told everybody how excited I am about the series because this, this series deals with spiritual growth and discipleship. That's one of the, the cornerstones of our church, I believe, that God want us to focus on, and that is maturity, growing in the things of God. If you've been here for any length of time in our church, you already know that there is a heavy emphasis on growing. There's a heavy emphasis here on being more conformed to the image of Christ. And so last week, we kicked off our series, Soul Dog, and we talked about what, we talked about authentic discipleship. What does, what does it mean to really be an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ? We explored, in fact, what it really means to sell out to Jesus. And we said in that message that all of us have been called to sell out. Now, we're called to different things and expressions in terms of our gifts and abilities. But within that context, God has called each and every one of us to sell out to Jesus. So we gave cases and we gave the reason why we should go all the way with Jesus. In fact, we understand through Scripture that God don't want us to be lukewarm. He don't want us to be stuck in the middle. God wants us to come all the way over and fully commit ourselves to him. This, my friend, is the essence of true discipleship. It is about a full and a total commitment to Jesus Christ. Not a partial commitment, not a convenient commitment, but a full and total commitment to Jesus Christ. I would go so far as to say, until we're really there, there's a legitimate question about uh, the authenticity of our discipleship. But as we talk about this whole concept of selling out, there's another important ingredient I want to talk about, and that is letting it go. Letting it Go. That's what we're going to talk about here today. It's another key component as it relates to growing in Jesus Christ. So what am I talking about when I say letting it go? Well, as I build up to this message, we all have things in life that we find it difficult to let go of. Then we really know that we shouldn't let go of it. Whether it's an abusive relationship, or refusing to forgive, or remaining bitter, some task or maybe perhaps some activity that's draining all of your time and your money, you still won't let it go. Maybe you're holding on to some kind of a, a past hurt and you're just kind of stuck there. In fact, I was talking, I had an opportunity to meet with some dear friends of mine, some colleagues of mine that worked with me on the police department for many years, and we're very, very close uh, gentlemen. And one of them experienced a very difficult situation where his, his wife uh, uh, left him for uh, another man. And they've since divorced, and, uh, and he's been having a very difficult time with this. And this happened some three, four, five years ago, I believe. And, but when you speak to him, it is as if it still happened yesterday. And I looked at him, and I said, brother, you got to... You got to let this thing go. You know, in order to, to really think about it, I want you to think about it this way. Paul says that I forget those things which are behind 
This is important. He said, I forget those things which are behind, and I move toward the things which are ahead. In other words, Paul understood that if he was going to reach the full measure of discipleship, he had to let some things go. Mainly today, I'm talking about letting go of that life that you had before you came to Christ and the life that sometimes we want to drift back to for convenience sake. See, the problem with not letting go of that life is just like anything else. If you want, you know, just like if you really, if you know in your heart, man, if I could just let this thing go, if I can just, if I can just let this hurt go, if I can let this bitterness go, you know in your heart that if you can do it, you know you're saying to yourself, man, I know my life will be so much better. Perhaps there's something you're thinking, man, if I know if I can just let that go, let that be in the past, I, I know. And, and instinctively, we know this, but because of fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of embarrassment or just self-pride. And, and we want to keep holding on. And sometimes it's not just fear. Sometimes we really do like it. But if we're going to sell out to Jesus and fully embrace the full measure of what it means to walk with Christ, we got to let the old life go. We got to divorce it. You got to come to a place where you say, you know what, Lord, I am done. I'm done with that old life. I'm letting it go. I need to move forward. I need to press into what God has for me. And consequently, many people are struggling today because they won't let it go. That old life. And later we're going to talk about something else relating to our video that we definitely need to let go of. So I want to kind of start this sermon with a command that was irrelevant when Jesus, when God first gave it to Moses and the commandments, and it as, is as relevant for all of us today. And it says in Matthew 22, third verse 36 and 38, and listen to this verse. And they was talking to Jesus, and they came to him, and they said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? We're talking about discipleship, right? We're talking about becoming what God wants us to become. We're talking about being transformed. And they say to Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Here's what Jesus said. Listen. He says, you should love the Lord, your God. Look at this. With all your heart, with all your soul. With all your mind, this is the first and great commandment. In other words, all the commandments that God ever gave, that Jesus ever talked about, foundationally, they are based on loving God most of all. Putting, uh, we like to say in today's vernacular, putting God first. We are to love him with the entirety of our being, understanding, understanding that our, we have a fallen nature. And so as a consequence of our fallen nature, nature, we've fallen away from God. So we have to learn all over again to cultivate a love and a desire for him. So God says to them that in that day, he's speaking to us today. Love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. In other words, love me with everything you have. 
I want you to love me more than anything in this world. Put me first. I believe that the reason why we have evil in the world, the reason why we have violence in the world, the reason why we have depression, sickness, disease, misunderstandings, you name it, whatever it is, whatever sin, whatever you find yourself today, whatever you can, you can see in our culture today, it is all based on the fact that men have refused to put God first. That's why the world, not just our nation, but the world is in the mess that it's in today because it didn't love God first. It doesn't, it worships the created thing rather than worshiping the creator. We've been called, we've been designed to worship creator God. So God, through Christ, is saying to us, love me first, more than anything else, anybody else. In fact, Luke chapter 14, verses 26 and 33, is a verse that on the face of it, it's very radical. In fact, it seems a little bit insensitive when we read this. We, we lay our eyes on it, and I've, I've heard people try to, I've heard preachers try to kind of explain it away, and, you know, and they've tried to somehow uh, lessen the impact of this particular verse because the language is so strong. But I want you to understand something. We're talking about selling out to Jesus. We're talking about bold discipleship, authentic discipleship. We're talking about letting things go that gets in the way of us becoming everything that God wants us to be. It says that Jesus said this, and watch this. Are y'all still listening? Say amen. Listen to this. He says, if anyone comes to me, this is Jesus talking, and does not hate. Now, Jesus used some very strong, some strong language. I'm going to explain that here in a second. But he says, does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, his children. Look at this. His brothers, his sister, and yes, even his own life. Here's what he says. You cannot be my disciple. Wow. Wow. That is heavy, right? In fact, if you drop down to verse 33 of that same chapter, 14 of Luke's gospel, Jesus says, whoever of you does not forsake, watch this, all that he has. Everybody say all. I need everybody in the back back there focus, and I need everybody to say all. All that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Now, now, I want you to understand something here. Jesus is not promoting hate, right? Because we know Jesus says we're to love our enemies, right? He says we're to do good to those that, that mistreat us. We're to bless those who curse us. We know that he called us to love. So when Jesus used the term hate, he's not, he's not saying that, 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 or advocating that we should hate people. But what he's saying is that our love for him must be so strong, it must be so committed, it must be so deep that it appears like to anything else, it looks like hate. 
It looks like, because understand something, Jesus wanted to communicate in a very, very strong and poignant way. And so he used terminology, hate, to say that, that you cannot love, watch this, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your cousin, your aunt, your uncles, your wife, your husband. You can't love them more than me. Some of you say, well, Pastor, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> Excuse me, that's a little bit much. No, that's, how many know that there's no marriage in heaven, for an example? Y'all do realize that, right? There is no marriage in heaven because we'll be married to Jesus forever. He is our ultimate satisfaction. We're, we're created for him, right? We're designed for him. So he says, he can't, he can't love any of these more than me. Our relationship with Jesus must top all others. See, when we don't put God above these, we will worship these above God. Whether it's, and I know some parents, they worship their children more than they worship God. Well, pastor, that's, that's foolish. Well, I don't want to hurt my son. I don't want to hurt my daughter. I want them to be happy. So, you know, I know what God's word says, but hey, you know. Well, honey, and let's look, look at spouse's relationship, husband and wife. You know, I mean, you know that, 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 that we ought to love our spouses, but if our spouse requires us or lead us to do things that are, that are contrary to God's way and his design for us, we ought to love God more. Well, well, honey, you ought to do this because you love. No, if that violates God's word, I'm under no obligation to do that. In other words, we draw the line when it comes to our devotion and our commitment to God. This is what he said, because if we don't, here's what we'll do. We will start worshiping our kids. We will start worshiping our spouses. We'll start worshiping things because they become, in a sense, they become our master. But how many know we're only supposed to have one master? Let me say that again. How many of y'all know we're only supposed to have one master? And his name is Jesus. So we're not to, listen, so we're not to love anything. Wake that young man up in the back, please. Thank you very much. The one on the left, on my left. But we're not to have anything ahead or before Jesus. See, you fall asleep in this church, I'll call you out. I'm going to start calling you by your names. That's right. I'm going to start calling you by your names. But understand something, because see, watch, because how many know we're living in a time now where the devil has upped his game. How many know the Christians, we got to up our game? We can't be playing church. We gotta, how many know we got to walk this thing out? Are y'all hearing me today? We got to walk this thing out. So Jesus is making a, he's making a point. He says, you cannot be my disciple if you don't love me more, if you don't love me first, if you don't put me first. Now, it seems kind of cruel, but it's actually it's not cruel because anytime you put God first, how do you know everything else falls into place? So y'all hearing me. If you want a great marriage, put God first in your marriage. If you want great kids, put God first. Right? If you want to be great on your job, or your, you, want, you, want, you want your finances to get in order, put God first. We're going to talk here about money in a second. Put God first. Many of us, are we don't put God first in our money, therefore we struggle with our finances because God is not a priority. In fact, let's, let's jump right into that since that was a natural segue. We'll talk a little bit about the love of money because we're talking about this rich young ruler. Money now, it's, it's hard to talk about discipleship 
It's hard to talk about authentic discipleship. It's hard to talk about selling out to Jesus without addressing the elephant in the room. And that is money. It is what makes the world go around, right? It is what you, you saw the video, how that this gentleman, did, without even knowing it, he was worshiping money. Well, if I give you a, would you just go talk to a stranger? No, but if I give you money, would you do it? People will kill for money. People will steal for money. People will sell their body for money. People, people worship this whole thing of money. Why? Because money, they see, is the vehicle for them to get stuff or the things that they want and, they, and what they deem to be important. So it's hard to talk about discipleship without addressing the issue of money because we all love it. And let's be honest, it seems like the more of it we get, the bigger our smiles get, doesn't it? Y'all are not, not being real today. Man, if, I, if you said today, if somebody if you went back and you said, Pastor, I'm going to get a, a, your boss said you're going to get a $30,000 raise. Y'all are come up here jumping, Pastor! Oh, the Lord then moved. Because money, because, watch this, because, because if we're not careful, we're coming out of a mindset, in a, in a worldly mindset, whereby, watch this, we are slaves to money. Money for many people have become their gods, and, and they will do anything for it. In fact, watch this. 1 Timothy 6 9 says this, and this is uh, verses 9 through 11 in 1 Timothy chapter 6, says, watch, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, watch this, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, watch this, the love of money, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, hmm. for which some have strayed from the faith in their greed and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O oh man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, and gentleness, and patience. So, so Timothy is giving us a warning. Paul is speaking to Timothy, young Timothy. He's giving him a warning. He said, those who desire to be rich. In other words, those who just kind of live for money. Their whole life is, evolves around, I just need to get more, I need to get more, I need to get more, I need to get more. Anybody ever met anybody like that? Man, every time you talk to them, it's about money, 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 money. I got it. They used to have a song, money, 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 money. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> But this is a person that, I mean, I, I knew a gentleman like that. It's like I, I didn't even want to talk to him because every time I talked to him, he was always talking about some get-rich-quick scheme, and, and it was all about just getting the money. And I realized, brother, something unhealthy about this. And so wherever he saw that he could make money, he would go. It, it, became, it became his God. It became his master. It was, in fact, his master. And Satan uses money to trick a lot of people. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? There have been a lot of people that's been duped and tricked by Satan because 
And Satan used the thing that we love most. That's why God said you can't, don't love nothing more than me. In particular, money, which everybody else does. He said, now, the love of money is the root. Watch this. Now, money itself is not evil. It's the value that we attach to it. Uh, the love of money, our lust for money, our desire for money. Oh, God. I mean, we want it so badly. He's, he said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. In other words, you can look at many of the problems of our day, and one of the sayings that we have today is, y'all ever heard this? Follow the money. How many of you have ever heard that? Follow the money, brother. Follow the money because it's all about the money, the love of money. There's nothing wrong with money. We use it for us, for a believer, for a disciple of Jesus Christ. We want to use money to advance God's interest in the earth, primarily. We want money. Honestly, we should want money. Any, we, listen, we don't worship money. We worship God. Come on, you ought to clap right there. Come on, clap. We worship God, but we want money to further his interests. Right? The Bible says that many have strayed, watch this, and walked away from God. Have strayed, you know, like, like these false teachers they talk about in 2 Peter 2, 3. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money, but God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. In other words, there's, a, there's, there's too many of quote-unquote God's people that are twisting and manipulating scripture just to get a buck. In their own greed, in their own lust. But how many know we're not called, we're called to something better than that. And, and, and the Bible says that we're to flee those things. He says, no, no, don't you be like them. Don't be like that. Don't, don't love money so much that you let it, that you let it, uh, uh, ruin your life, that you let it become your master. This is one of the reasons why we oftentimes, we tell people all the time, we say, man, one of the best ways to, to know that money is not your master is that you give it away. Oh, God, I, I'm preaching better than y'all letting on right now. Oh, I, I know. I, but the best, well, the, but even I always say this, even if you don't agree with the biblical principle of tithing, the very fact that you argue about giving God 10% is an indication that your heart is not in the right place. I say argue about it. Fuss about it. Let's have a doctrinal dispute, brother. Let's just let's go to bed over this 10% thing, brother. Let's talk about it. I ain't got to give 10%. Really? When God really owns it all? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, church? Oh, pastor, you don't understand. I got to have my cable. I got to have my car. I got to. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with cable. I have cable. But everybody say, keep your priorities straight. People are not advancing the cause of God because we, we want more stuff. Let's be honest. We love our stuff. And money is a way for us to get our stuff. And so what happens is when the man of God or somebody say, man, we need to advance the kingdom. Man, we need, we need the audit. We need the people of God to step up. It's like, oh, convulsions. Because we, we strike a chord. How I many know we shouldn't be getting mad about giving to Jesus? Come on, church. 
Come on. Can I, can I hear something? Can I hear amen? We shouldn't be getting mad about giving anything to Jesus because it all belongs to him. So he, he says, watch this. He said, no, you don't flee. You, you don't pursue money. He said, in fact, we're to pursue righteousness, right? Godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. In other words, pursue Christ. Don't pursue money. Pursue God. And whatever you need, God will provide. Seek first the kingdom and everything else that you need. Every, watch, need. Everybody say need. What you need will be provided for. And so, see, see, money, a lot of times, money is an is indication of where we really are with God. So it was with this rich young ruler we're going to talk here about in a moment. It says here in Luke 16, we saw it in the video, Luke 16, 13, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mammon, you can't. You got to make a decision because you'll love one and you will hate the other. Isn't it amazing you saw in the video how that the sooner that guy said, man, I'll give you money, if you, he won't go share his faith, no other reason. And you know, and I, I, you know, I used to think, honestly, I got a confession to make. I used to think to myself, what do I got to do to get our people to get out there and just start talking about Jesus? That maybe if I come up with some kind of monetary thing. But I, I'm just telling you, maybe some kind of inspiration like, hey, guys, we'll give you like $100 if you can bring five people to church next week. I know, I know in my heart that there would have been people been knocking. You've been, boy, you'd be dragging. I'll give you $500 next week if you can bring me 10 people. You will break your neck bringing, and you know it. Why? And I wouldn't do it. The Lord would never let me do it. I thought about it. I thought about it. So, Lord, what I got to do? God says, I, didn't do, I, I don't feel motivated to do it for the love of the Lord. But for money, I'll, boy, whatever that thing asks me to do, boy, I'll, I'll, I just want that. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning, church? How many know we got, we got work to do? See, sometimes God will sneak up on you, and he'll hit you across the head, and he'll, he'll let you know where you are. And instead of getting mad about it, you should be saying, Lord, thank you. You know, whenever the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's a good moment to raise your hand and say, Lord, uh, <laughs> that's me. That's me. And why? why? Why do we love money so much? Because it's the access to things. And here's the problem. That's why Jesus says, love not the things of this world. He said, don't love it. You got to hold it loosely. You got to hold it loosely. Because if you love it too much, you'll serve it. And you'll serve it and you'll love it more than God. And God will be second to all of your other stuff if you're not careful. Somebody's being stepped on today, but look at the neighbor and say, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Come on, look at us. You're going to be all right. Because I want to be free. Because you can't be a true disciple until you relinquish everything to God. God must have the last. I've, I've seen this in, in, in practice. Oh, gosh. But I've seen this in practice. Uh, I've seen a lot of people that get to a point, man, that they, um, that when it comes down, when, when, it, when it comes down to money, discipleship. That's one of the last things that people let go of. Man, they might even start coming to church. They'll start reading their Bible. But, man, it's a money thing that's usually like when, you ever notice when people start talking about money? There's a, 
You ever feel something inside of you like, mm. We, 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 we make our people clap. We say it's time for the offering, right? <laughs> and sometimes you got to clap even when you don't feel like clapping. Why do we do that? There's a, there's a doctrinal reason why we do that. Because God loves a cheerful giver and to set us free from money being controlled of our lives. We don't want money to be in control of our lives. So y'all hearing me, church. The rich young ruler, I got to do this in a couple of minutes because I'm going over. The rich young ruler, here he is. I want you to understand this guy that we're talking, we read about the passage in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Here's this guy. No doubt he heard about Jesus. He's a man who has a lot of money. He's rich. The Bible says, in fact, he has great possessions. Everybody say possessions. Come on, everybody say possessions. He is, brother is loaded. So watch this. So he come running to Jesus. Now, I surmise, and this is just what Pastor Baylor believed. You can take this or leave it. Just my observance of the text, and here's what I believe. I believe that when this rich young ruler came running to Jesus, he wasn't coming to submit to Jesus. He wasn't necessarily coming to to bow down and and do exactly. He was coming because he was looking for affirmation. He was looking for confirmation because, Pastor, why do you say that? You know, because usually when people are messed up, you know, when they, when they come to Jesus, they, they'll come one of two ways. You know, when they, when they come, they're going to run to him. They're going to be like, the, the first thing, if, if they know they're messed up, what do you do? You fall down and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, I've I, I blown it. Lord, I got, some, I got some issues. No, but he didn't come like, he didn't come like that. He came kind of like, well, there was a sense of like, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. So he runs to Jesus, right? He runs over there. It's a good master. Jesus, what? What do I got to do to have eternal life? And it's almost like this brother was already prepared for the answer. Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. Don't you love Jesus? He says, oh, don't commit adultery, you know. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud and honor your your mother and your father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done all of that. I'm good. I'm good. I've done all of that. You see, a couple things before we go any further. See, how many know there are many people that are, that, 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 that are that, that, that they're running toward Jesus or they're even coming to church. They're coming toward Jesus, but they're not coming to submit. They're coming because they want affirmation for a lifestyle that they've already determined is okay whether God says so or not. And that's why a lot of times people come to church. People don't like pastors that I've kind of met. You know, he said pastors, I've heard People say, don't mess him up in my old church, old Baptist church. Don't start meddling. Oh, he meddling now. So whenever the pastor would say something that, that you know, it's like, you know, getting a little close, you hear somebody say, uh-oh, he didn't start meddling. Because people don't like that, right? But see, how many know when we come to God, when we come to Christ, how many, how many, how many of you came to church this morning? Watch this. How many of you came to church this morning saying, God, I'm ready to be changed? I'm ready to be rearranged. God, I'm coming. To, whatever you want me to do, whatever you, however you want me to live, God, I'm coming to do exactly what you want me to do. How many of you came to church? Tell me, tell the truth. How many of you came to church thinking that way this morning? No, oftentimes we've already predetermined what we're going to do. Oh, y'all ain't saying amen, but that's all right. Amen yourself, Pastor Bailey. Watch. So, so many, so, so just, like, just like this ritual, you, I'm not coming. I'm, I'm looking for affirmation. Many are walking around today, they're looking for affirmation. Just leave me alone, Pastor. Just, just bless me. Tell me I'm doing all right. He was a religious guy. How many know there's a lot of religious people out there today? 
There are a lot of religious people. And here's, well, well, Pastor, what do you mean? Religious people, here's how they think. Man, you know what? Here's what they say. Here's what religious people say. They say, look, I don't kill. I don't steal. I mean, there's enough. I mean, you, you, you know a lot of people like that. You know friends, and they're not necessarily, they're not Christian. But hey, they don't kill. They don't steal. They don't defraud people, right? They're faithful. They don't cheat on their spouses. They don't cheat on, I mean, for the most part, they're good people. And if you talk to those people, they think to themselves, man, I'm all right with God because I haven't done those things. I'm good. And what they realize is, what they don't realize is, it's, it's, not about, it's, it's not about our works. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ. So they deem themselves healed, set free, delivered, whether Jesus says so or not. In other words, Hey, man, I, I'm self-righteous. I'm doing all the right things. You know, I, this, this is what the rich young ruler say. He says, I'm doing all the right things, man. I'm, Jesus, I did all that. What else you got? That's all you got, Jesus. Jesus, oh, by the way, one more thing. Oh, this is the thing that gets them. Everybody say one more thing. Oh, y'all don't like this word, do you? Y'all don't like this word. I can tell Lord help us. He said, one more thing. Well, Jesus hit him. Watch this. Jesus hit him, boy, right? I, I, I can't say that. But Jesus hit him where he wasn't expected. <laughs> he got him. And Jesus hit him. And Jesus hit Okay, here's it. You really want to, are you really, you really want to know? Son, do you, yes, yes, I, I've done everything else. I'm good. I'm a good guy. He says, uh, okay, do, do me a favor. He says, uh, go sell everything you got. Give it to the poor and then get the treasure in heaven. You can almost see the wind was like, like somebody, you ever had the wind knocked out of you? Man, it's the most uncomfortable feeling in the entire world. It was like, poof. Wow. All of a sudden, all that enthusiasm, all that excitement left. Because why? Jesus identified who his real master was. And it wasn't God. It was his money. There's no scripture. There's no scripture that says sell everything. A command that says you must sell everything. Or to be a disciple, sell everything, give to the poor. And not. So on the face of it, it looked like he didn't really disobey anything, but he disobeyed the main commandment. And, but Jesus backdoored it. What was the commandment that, that, he, that, that, that he violated? To love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. He loved money more. And it's almost like he didn't know it because the brother says, and you would think, right? Now, some of you, when I first said to you earlier that many people come running to Jesus, they're not coming to surrender. They're just coming to get affirmation. Now, the evidence that this young ruler was just coming to get affirmation was because when Jesus told him, the Bible said, look at verse number 20. Look at verse number uh, 22. It says, but he was sad <laughs> at the word and went away. Everybody say he went away. In other words, he, watch this. He stepped. Because now, if he was really the way that a real disciple would be, when Jesus ring your bell, what do you do? Yeah, Lord, that's me. If, if he was really coming to submit, he wanted, if Jesus was Lord, he would have said, if Jesus would have said, sell everything you got, and I want you to come follow me. Give his stuff, and then, you know, sell it to the poor, come follow me, you get treasure in heaven. His, his attitude would have been like, 
Sure, that's what you want? Sure, Jesus. Oh, cool, I can do it. This stuff don't mean. No, he says, he says, no. He says, I can't do that. And you know what, church? He couldn't be Jesus' disciple. He said, unless you forsake everything, you can't be my disciple. You can't have two masters. You're going to love the one. You're going to hate the other. So with this religious Young ruler did at that moment, church, he chose money to be his master because he wouldn't submit it to God. <laughs> he loved things more than God. If I were to put it today in, 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 in terms that we all can understand, he loved his RAs more than God, his investments more than God, his house more than God, his cable more than God. He loved his golf clubs more than God. He loved his video games more than God because he'd rather play his video games than to go and worship God. Are y'all following me this morning? Now you say, Pastor, you pick, I'm not picking on it. I'm just saying you can't let this stuff be ahead of God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? We can't love those things more than God. That's all we're talking about, church. Because we're talking about selling out. You ain't going to sell out until you give God your money. You can say whatever you want. You can, you can, you can try to duck and hide. But how many know that, 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 that money says a whole lot about where we are? Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You've got to forsake all to be a disciple. In, in conclusion, a couple of questions I want you to think about. First of all, have you given all to Jesus? I, I, let, I titled this message, Letting It Go, because I understood the in part. The big it is money, because that's what we talked about here with the rich young ruler. But it could be whatever it is, <laughs> It don't necessarily be money to get. Maybe there's, there's something else that you love more and, and then, then you love God. And, and, it's just, and, and maybe the Holy Spirit has just convicted you. You realize that, you know what, this is more important to me than God. This is more important. I love this more than God. Money is the obvious. But maybe for you it's not money. Maybe for you it's some relationship. Maybe it's for you some, I don't know what it, you name it, but but. But it's more important to you than your commitment and your relationship with God. That's unhealthy. Come on out, brother. Do you love, is your money, now here's another question. I want us to ask ourselves these questions. Is your money still off limits to Jesus? Are you a tither? Do you give at least 10% of your money to God? Have you tried to give 10%, at least, starting point? We like to call that the training grounds of giving, a starting place. Is your money off limits to God? Have you, have you truly surrendered your money, or are you like the rich young ruler? This is where you draw the line. Jesus, I'll do everything else. I'll serve in the church. You know, Jesus, I'll, I'll, I'll serve. Uh, I'll bless people. I'll visit the sick in the hospital. I'll, I'll work various ministries. I'll do all that, but I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to give this. This is where I draw the line. Here's what I'm trying to share you, tell you, church. At that place you draw the line, that's your master. That's your master. And until you deal with that, 
that master will continue to dominate your life. You'll never reach the full capacity of what Jesus wants you to be. And there's a legitimate question on whether or not you're a disciple or not because you're still trying to figure it out. And it's okay to be in a place where I'm still trying to figure it out. But when you come to Jesus, the attitude must be, you know, and I tell people this all the time. I say, man, you know, if you want to get saved, you want to get right with Jesus, you got to ask yourself a question. Are you willing to give up everything for Jesus? Your life, everything you know, everything that's so, so important to you that is outside the realms of and the integrity of what this book teaches. Am I willing to give it all for Jesus? Whatever Jesus wants from me, I'm willing to do it. At a moment's notice, I'm willing to do it. If you're not there yet, you will never grow in the things of God to the extent that you should. In fact, you're going to keep hitting a ceiling, and you can go no further. You will go no further. What's holding you back from surrendering to Jesus? Partial surrender is no surrender at all. Partial surrender. One foot in, one foot out, that's not surrender. Surrender means, God, I'm done. We need, to, we need to start saying, I'm done. God, I'm, I washed my hands of the world. Doesn't mean we're perfect. We're still going to make mistakes. But what it means is I already made up in my mind that I'm going to follow this word no matter what. I'm denying myself and whatever is so. Pastor, can you show it to me in the book? Here it is. Okay, Pastor, done. No question of that. Just show it to me in the book. Is that what the book says? See, that's when you know you're there. But if you're, if you're thinking, oh, I ain't there yet. I ain't trying to do that. I ain't doing this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to continue to walk in this sin. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. And I love you too much to let you walk around being deceived. Either Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Let me say that again. Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all at all. Make a decision today. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.